0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: However, today we are chatting with, should I say, rather famous or is it infamous uh, representative from a political sphere, and that is Helen Zoll. Good afternoon, Helen. I trust you are well.
0: Hi, Rob. I'm absolutely fine.
1: Helen I've had a lot of talk in the public spaces about the extension to the election cycle and the extension to the period between election cycles lately, and the ICF have taken um, the, this challenge to to court to request the, uh, an extension or an a, a alteration to the uh, to the constitution in fact to allow um, a postponement of of the elections from your party side uh, or from the political sphere side, uh, do you see this as a, a threat, or is this conducive to, to our democracy, or what are your general opinions on that?
0: Well, we are a constitutional democracy, which means that the rules of the game are established by the Constitution, and everyone must be able to live in certainty that the provisions of the Constitution will be maintained. And the great defender of that promise under a constitutional democracy is, of course, the constitutional court. Now, the Constitution defines how any section of the Constitution can be changed or temporarily suspended. But that can only happen through Parliament, either with a supermajority of 75 percent, if it affects the founding clauses of the Constitution in Chapter 1, or with a two-thirds majority, that is 66.6%, if it affects any other clause in the Constitution. There is no other way than the Constitu- that the Constitution can be amended or that any clause can be suspended, even temporarily, other than by going through Parliament. Now, it's not easy, and it shouldn't be easy, to amend or suspend a clause in the Constitution, that is a long-drawn-out process, it involves public participation, and it certainly cannot be done in a matter of a couple of months that the IEC had at its disposal when it finally woke up to the fact that it wanted an extension of the term of municipal councils. Now, the Constitution in Clause 1, that is a clause that requires a 70%, 75% supermajority to change, In that clause, it says South Africa will have regular elections. So the regularity of the elections is defined in Chapter 1, Clause 1, and is very deeply entrenched, which means that it can only be changed by a 75% supermajority if the regularity of an election is going to be changed. And there are many constitutional experts who believe that in order to postpone the election, we would actually need a 75% majority in Parliament. Others, however, say that they could achieve that by only suspending Section 159D of the Constitution, which stipulates that the life of a council only extends to the fifth anniversary of the previous election and that a new election must be called within 90 days after that anniversary. And that time expires on the 1st of November 2021. So if you want to extend the date for an election beyond the 1st of November 2021, you're going to have to at least change Section 159D of the Constitution. And that can only be done through a long process that they certainly don't have time to do before the time expires on the 1st of November. As you already know, the President has declared that the election will take place on the 27th of October and, indeed, Nkosazanad Lamini Zuma, the relevant Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, has ruled that the election is proclaimed and she did that on the 3rd of August. She proclaimed the election, which means the timetable for the 27th of October is fixed. Now they want the Constitutional Court to set that aside. And the rationale of the IEC is as follows. They say there are two competing requirements in the Constitution. The one is that they supervise a free and fair election, and the other one is that they supervise an election timelously, that is, before the deadline expires. And they claim they cannot hold a free and fair election in a COVID pandemic. And therefore, they're asking the Constitutional Court to help them choose between whether they should go for the free and fair election, which would entail a safe election, in which case it would have to be postponed till after the pandemic and they're proposing sometime early next year, or whether they should stick by the regularity and the deadline of the election. Now, we believe this is a completely false dichotomy. It isn't about that choice, because many scores of countries worldwide, and most recently Zambia, held elections freely and fairly and properly in a COVID pandemic. People queue for SASA grants, they go to restaurants, schools are open, they go to shopping malls, and to all intents and purposes, In many parts of South Africa, there might as well not be lockdown for all the attention that people are paying to it. So to allow all those daily activities and the many, many queues that we see forming, including, ironically, queues for the vaccination, to allow all of those to happen but not allow an election seems to me a pretty contradictory set of circumstances. We believe the truth is, the real reason is, that the ANC doesn't want to hold an election now. The ANC doesn't want to hold an election now for obvious reasons. They are deeply divided. President Ramaphosa wants to win more time to deal with the radical economic transformation faction in his party more decisively before he goes to an election. He knows that if President Zuma is qualifies for parole that will happen at the end of October, and the last thing he wants is Zuma being released from prison on parole and then going around the country, or even if he, if the conditions of his parole are that he can't do that, basically orchestrating a huge anti ramaphosa resistance. And so whatever it is, President Ramaphosa does not want an election now. The ANC hasn't got enough money. Their staff are on strike because they haven't been paid for many months. And they are very angry, and so it's the very worst time for the ANC to hold an election. And that is why they've basically set up the dominoes to fall in a particular direction and to force the IEC's hand. And it is crucial for listeners to understand this about the forcing of the IEC's hand. Minister Lamini zuma proclaimed the election on the 3rd of August. That meant the voters' roll closed. That meant that about 9 million people won't be able to register for the first time for the election or re-register if they have moved to a new municipality or a new place since the last election. In a municipal election, you can only vote at the voting station where you are registered. And so we anticipate and we have calculated that about 9 million people will be disenfranchised if the proclamation of the 3rd of August holds and if the voter's role is not reopened. So basically what the ANC and the IEC are trying to do is to force the constitutional court's hand by saying, if you don't allow a registration period, which we cannot logistically have if the deadline is for an election on the 27th of October, then we cannot possibly have a free and fair election because, look, All of these millions of people Won't have an opportunity to register for the first time Or re-register And so They're going to force the constitutional court's hand In that way It is really an Outrageous Bit of Sophistry If I can put it that way And manipulation And it's put us in a very very difficult position Because obviously there has to be a registration period We argue that This can still be done for an election on the 27th of October. But the IEC is arguing that they cannot do it. And they clearly want to stay in their comfort zone. The entire country has adapted to COVID. The IEC has known about COVID since February 2020. That's about 18 months ago. They've known full well that they would have to prepare an election in COVID circumstances. And they have just sat on their hands and haven't done it. And now they want to violate the constitution to get them out of the pickle. And we
1: say no. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a, that's a valid argument from, from both sides, especially around the uh, registration period. But something just raises my, my heckles a bit here. Isn't, isn't the uh, IEC supposed to be an independent body, a chapter nine institution? When you, when you say the ANC and the IEC seem to be working together, is that is that uh, legally possible? Should they should there be this interference? And if so, why why is it happening?
0: Well it's happened because of state capture. People don't understand what state capture is. State capture is not about the Guptas capturing ESCOM. State capture is about the ANC capturing what should be independent institutions, be they state owned enterprises or the Human Rights Commission, or the South African Revenue Service, or the National Prosecuting Authority, or the Independent Communications Agency of South Africa, or in this case, the IEC, which all should be entirely independent. A parastatal like ESCOM merely exists to do the best it can to produce most efficiently the cheapest electricity without favoring any political party or doing the bidding of any political party. And in the same vein, the IEC is supposed to be a totally independent Chapter 9 institution whose only job it is to hold free and fair elections. But all of these institutions have been captured through CADA deployment, that is ANC CADAs being put into those positions, to do the bidding of the ANC and not to run those institutions for the purposes for which they were set up. That is state capture. And you are seeing state capture very, very clearly right here with the IEC in my humble opinion. Glenn Mashanini, who's the chief executive of the Independent Electoral Commission, we opposed his appointment very strongly. He was a cadre deployed to that position by Jacob Zuma and now knows that if he doesn't do the bidding of the ANC, he will no longer be the chair of the IEC. And so I call him, I call them the INC. Because that is a kind of mixture of the IEC and the ANC because that's exactly what they are.
1: (laughs) Fantastic, fantastic acronym. So that but that also it raises um other questions there. Is is the judiciary free and, and independent? I mean, we've approached the constitutional court before um on other matters and we've seen some rather uh unexpected outcomes in 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 certain issues there, which was almost a reflection that it's it's not a free and and fair institution on its own. If if you or as you are going to to the constitutional court right now to to oppose the ICS application, do you feel that it'll be successful? Is the judiciary captured? Will that they play a play a big role? I know there's a few questions in there, but what I'm what I'm trying to get across is. If the IAC is a captured institution, can we assume, is there any evidence that the judiciary is too?
0: Well, I get your question loud and clear, and the alarm bells are ringing very loudly on that score as well, because you will remember that in the recent hearings of the Zondo Commission, the minutes of the ANC's Cater Deployment Committee showed that they even discussed the appointments of judges. Now, what the ANC's Catered Employment Committee is doing, discussing judicial appointments, goodness only knows, because if there's any institution that must be totally independent of the ruling party, it is the judiciary. And they were even discussing judicial appointments to the Constitutional Court. And we also know from Sidney Mufamari that the State Security Agency had a slush fund, and he also gave evidence to the Zondo Commission to this effect, that the state security agency had a slush fund from which they used money for the purposes of buying off judges in cases. So I'm sure there are still judges who take their role of being free and fair very, very seriously. But we don't know which judges were paid out and which were bought off. And we need to know that information. We need to know that information is the matter of the greatest urgency. And I've been pushing for that for a very long time. To whom was slush fund money of the state security agency paid to which judges in order to affect which judgments? I mean, this is a total scandal. And after this revelation, everything went quiet. There wasn't even a denial that it happened. Everything just went quiet. And it should have been the biggest scandal in South Africa's democratic history.
1: Absolutely should have. And, you know, the, the, the problem that we are often faced with is, that the this becomes a, a political football, uh, you as the official opposition it it 's very easy for the for the ANC to turn around and say you 're just playing political games, and they can turn anything into uh, just a, a a political battle rather than getting down to the actual facts which is which is um fortunate in this case because we've seen a similar similar action from non partisan organizations placed within within civil society who are bringing similar challenges either on their own or, or as amicus to, to the IEC's application. And hopefully that will, will, will see a more fair approach. Um, you know, going back to, to the, the DA's challenge there, what in, in your opinion is, is the threat to the biggest threat to a, a delay or postponement of, of the election cycle?
0: Well, Rob, the biggest threat is the precedent it will set, that when the ANC doesn't want an election, they just get the IEC to do their bidding and the constitutional court rules in their favor. Now, you can imagine, I mean, you know, they're looking at the polls. They see the polls are well under 50%. Well, it doesn't suit us to have an election that we might lose. So let's find any pretext on which not to have an election. That is the real danger. It is a real shortcut to tyranny. And that is why we have to be very careful. The second critical point is that the constitutional court's role is to defend the constitution, not to change the constitution. That is the high watermark of our argument before the constitutional court. They have to defend the constitution. It is not up to them to decide which parts of the constitution don't suit the ruling party and therefore suspend them under a pretext. They have to say to the ruling party, I'm terribly sorry, the constitution is supreme and we cannot possibly establish a precedent where we, a group of judges, subvert the constitution by seizing the right and the power to change the constitution. It will make the government the constitutional court. And it will completely blur the separation between Parliament, the legislature, and the judiciary. And it will, in fact, make the constitutional court play the role of the legislature, which the Constitution says has the role of changing the Constitution by either a 75% majority or a 66.6% majority. That is the role of the legislature, and the constitutional court cannot violate the Constitution by seizing the powers of the legislature,
1: absolutely correct. I, I think that is possibly the, the touch point there is that this will lead to, as you correctly said, a, a domino effect and could directly uh, lead to the total capture of of the judiciary by by the ruling party, which is which is a, a rather massive concern there.
0: You are listening to dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: Welcome back to 101.9 IFM. We're chatting today with Helen Ziller from the Democratic Alliance over the postponement or possible postponement of the local elections for 2021. Helen, lovely, lovely chatting to you. What one thing I did really pick up there was a uh, concern around the by-elections which have happened we've seen people queuing for uh, for for these by-elections we've seen campaigning happening and quite successfully in in all areas in fact why does the ic not have a look at the by-election scenario and uh, make their judgment from that what what is what is behind this all
0: well you make a very valid point we've had many by-elections and I have seen no reports of COVID spikes in the areas where there have been by-elections held, with protocols, of course. So when people are queuing, they have to socially distance, sanitize, mask-wearing. Most of it is in the outdoors. They limit the number of people who can be in the venue at any one time very strictly. And, in fact, with a general election, a national election, you could spread it out over more days, which would not concentrate so many people in the same place at the same time and also ensure that you would have alphabetic voting. So you would ask people with surnames starting with a particular set of letters of the alphabet to go on certain days. And that makes complete sense. There are methods, if you are putting your mind to doing the only job you have, which in the case of the IEC is preparing for a free and fair election, there are methods to do so. and They've done that with by-elections. But the point is, Rob, that we're not dealing with good faith here. We're not dealing with logistic obstacles. We're dealing with political obstacles. The ANC does not want an election. So the IC's job is to make sure that one doesn't happen instead of making it their job to ensure that one does happen. And that is what happens when you have a captured state institution. Instead of doing their job that the Constitution says they must do, they do the job that the ANC says they must do. That is the definition of state capture.
1: One has to wonder why the Department of Health doesn't combine efforts with, with the ISC and actually turn voting stations into, into uh, uh inoculation stations or vaccination stations at the same time, kind of killing two birds with, with one stone, reducing government expenditure and actually increasing the efficiency of, of this. Uh, yeah, we won't go into too much detail as to why why that happens, but we can put that down to incompetence or short-sightedness. Who, who they don't knows? want
0: it to happen. That's what they don't
1: want. Exactly. And it's becoming more and more clear that there's, that there's no getting away from that, especially on the the influence that they are having over what's supposed to be an independent body, which is something that perhaps um, we as civil society and you as a political party should also be investigating and, and, and launching commissions of inquiry on. But be that as it may, it might be a, a great project at a later stage. But in your opinion, what, what do you think is the success rate of this? Will we see a, a postponement of the elections or, um, with considering the massive amount of, of pushback from civil society and, and yourselves and other parties, will the elections continue on 27 October?
0: Well, the bottom line is this. I have read our constitutional arguments and the constitutional arguments of, for example, freedom under law and others, and they are very, very powerful. The arguments are so strong that I do not know how the constitutional court is going to get around those constitutional arguments that they make. The IEC's replying affidavits have all been, woe is me, hand-wringing, we can't get it done, it's impossible, they're forcing us into a, a position where we can't hold a free and fair election because of the risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all premised on the notion that somehow they didn't know about this COVID risk and somehow they've been taken unawares by the fact that they had to prepare an election under COVID conditions. Now, that is just bizarre. So I think our arguments are so powerful that I cannot imagine the constitutional court overriding them, except for one thing. The IEC tried to push the Constitutional Court into making a choice between a free and fair election and a safe election on the one hand and a timeless election on the other hand. But now, by forcing the proclamation and the closing of the voters' role, the ANC has turned that choice for the Constitutional Court into a choice between having a timious election and between having a registration week to allow 9 million people to register for the first time or change their registration. And then it can feasibly be argued that if you don't allow 9 million people either to register for the first time or re-register, that you really will not have a free and fair election. And then you get the choice being made between how can you go for an election when you know that you haven't had a registration weekend? And then the IEC is going to say, but we haven't had time to do the registration weekend. And we argue that they could still do the registration weekend on the last weekend of August or the first weekend of September. They unilaterally cancelled the registration weekend on the 16th and 17th of July that was supposed to be held there using COVID as an excuse. But by then the ANC had already decided they did not want the election, and so the button had been pressed to do everything possible to postpone it. That is what I'm completely convinced about. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise. And now the ANC deliberately, in my view, have put the Constitutional Court in a position where they will either have to rule that there won't be a registration period or that the election must be postponed. And that is an impossible situation to put the Constitutional Court in because both of those sides of the coin would be unconstitutional.
1: They would be indeed. You kind of have to wonder. We've seen um, additional... Yeah, registration periods being been launched before in the last national uh, elections, there was a an additional registration weekend uh, proposed and actually uh, institu- instituted. So there's no no reason why they can't do the same uh, this time round. In fact, the the government is is uh, always constantly talking about moving to a digital parliament and citing the fourth industrial revolution as as the way forward. What a perfect time to, to implement that and to test the the availability and the, the efficacy of of such a proposal would be now to have an online registration period or something similar. It certainly doesn't doesn't need to operate the way the way that we did. You you I think you, you're absolutely correct. They they do seem to be clutching at straws and finding any excuse that they can. And the uh, the motive is is blatantly clear to 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 all of us at at hand we 're going to take a quick break and we 'll uh, rejoin and finish up after after that.
0: You are listening to dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy
1: doesn 't just happen Let's come back to 101.9 High FM. i f m i'm chatting with Helen Ziller. About the DA's challenge to the IEC's request to postpone the elections. Helen, we've got a few minutes left there. How can the, how can the public um, support you in this? What can they do to get behind your your application?
0: Well, the public must just please understand why we are fighting this case, why it is so important, and why it affects their interests. Many people have said to me, well, why are you making a fuss about this? I mean, surely, you know, we've got a pandemic and just postpone the election. And I I then explained to them why this precedent is so absolutely dangerous. And, you know, an election is not like a bribe that you can just call off because of the weather. If you allow a ruling party to get its way and call off an election, then you are participating in tyranny and the creation of an autocratic state if you don't stand up against it. And that is why we have to stand up against it. And that's why you call me the notorious Helen Zilla, because, in fact, Doing these kinds of things is often unpopular, but very necessary.
1: Absolutely, yes, and it, I think it's, it's definitely definitely more uh, it's extremely important. But yes, the notorious Helen Zoll is is a compliment from from my side, because we I know. do <laughs> we do require uh, um, politicians to stand up, and we I don't believe we are seeing e- enough of that in in the political space at at all well we do but perhaps it's coming from from the wrong side and support instead of instead of attack but well done to to the DA for for changing this important issue um it's it's vitally important to, to South Africans and for as you explained for for the right reasons this isn't about a a covid pandemic and this is about preventing a uh, a recurrence of this if they postpone it once there's who's to say that they won't do, do it again. Helen Zilla, it's been an absolute wonderful chat with you and uh, absolutely thank you for your time and hope to have you on here again soon.
0: It's been a great pleasure Rob. I really enjoyed being with you and your listeners of HiFM and yes, thank you so much for the opportunity.